listening to the Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering times, visit us online at centralsanford.net. today and um, just um, again my name is Craig Bell and just as a way of warning our pastor is still roaming about the building so stay on your best behavior he's in our kids ministry today and our student ministry um, just taking some time off and observing things but we are um, glad to be here today uh, we'll continue in his sermon series the go series where we talk about what is a true disciple and we want to jump in today about what is prayer and as we look at what prayer is let me be honest with you prayer is not easy but at the same time, it is so easy, isn't it? But I'll be honest with you, when, I, when we think about prayer, personally, prayer, it can be difficult. Yes, there are times that I go through, and I know you go through dry seasons, and prayer is difficult. It almost feels like your prayers are hitting the ceiling. But we want to talk about today and look at the model prayer that Jesus gives us and some practical steps about communicating with God. So if you'll open your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, we'll be reading verses 1 through 4. Luke 11, 1 through 4. And if you will stand with me in honor of God's word as we read that. Luke 11 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way that you speak to us, Lord. I just pray today that you speak Um, As that song said, my strength comes from you. I stand because of your strength, Lord. I am weak, but you are strong. Lord, as we experience your word, we pray that we um, just truly experience you and we have changed lives. We pray things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll be seated. Let me ask you, when you hear the term the Lord's Prayer, what do you think of? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the Lord's Prayer? For me, it automatically comes up in King James Version. I'm just hoping today I don't accidentally say this in King James Version. I don't think that you could, I don't think I can memorize the Lord's Prayer in anything else. My brain is so programmed since a child that this has been learned in the King James Version. Also, when I think of it, I think of growing up in church and every single week we recited the Lord's Prayer in our worship service. So we learned it, of course, in King James. Uh, We did that. Also, in my high school baseball team, before every game, we would come together in a circle and we would recite the Lord's Prayer. I went to a Christian private school, so we did that. You know, honestly, I think that was more a good luck charm than really praying, if I can really be honest with you. But I remember reciting it. So those are the things that come to me. When you hear the Lord's Prayer, is it something that just kind of, it's a, it's a rote memorization to you? I saw a lot of y'all shake your heads when I said the King James Version. It automatically comes to you, doesn't it? So is the Lord's Prayer just kind of a rote memorization thing, something that you think about or you say quickly? There is an incredible example of what God wants to teach us, what Jesus wants to teach us through the Lord's Prayer. He basically teaches us how to pray using what we also call the model prayer that we see here in Luke 11. But I know many things may come to your mind when you think of the Lord's Prayer, just like it does for me. Let me give you just my definition of what prayer is. Prayer simply is conversing and communicating with God. 
That's what we need to think about. Prayer is conversing and communicating with God. So often we turn it into something that it's not. We turn it into um, begging to God for something or apologizing to God. Maybe that's a part of it, but really prayer is simply a conversation with God. We turn it way too ritualistic many times. And I want to talk about today kind of what Jesus showed us through this and what his disciples also showed us um, through the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer as we see today. What I want to jump into, first of all, is to see where did Jesus pray? Where did Jesus pray when he prayed? We don't need to just look at these scriptures, but we need to look um, at a number of scriptures. The first place that he prayed was he prayed publicly. Many times he prayed publicly. Before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he prayed. He prayed before the meals, before he uh, fed the 5,000, miraculously fed the 5,000. He prayed out loud. He prayed publicly. He prayed publicly while he was on the cross. And we see numerous times where he prays publicly out loud in order to bring people in to share what God is doing. Now, there's something I want you to note. Every single time that Jesus prays publicly... It is very brief. All of his public prayers are brief when that happens. And as we go through, you're going to find out as closer we get one-on-one with God, they become more intimate and longer. But Jesus prayed publicly. We need to pray publicly. We pray publicly here in the church. You can pray publicly out in the marketplace in different places. But Jesus prayed publicly um, during his ministry. Also, we see that Jesus prayed in small groups. Many times you'll see him praying with all 12 disciples, or you'll see him pray with a smaller group of three or four disciples. Luke 9, 28 says, Now about eight days after these sayings, he took up with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. So Jesus prayed with a small group of people. Also, Matthew 18, 20 says, When two or three are gathered in my name, I am among them. So prayer is not something that is just said to the masses or it's not something that is just said you know, personally to us. Prayer changes things when we gather a couple of people together. We grab or gather a small group of people together. Something just happens when we pray together. When we agree in prayer, we've seen the miraculous happen when people gather together in prayer in a small group. So Jesus prayed also in a small group. But also we see numerous times that Jesus prayed alone, all by himself. Um, is when he prayed. We see in these scriptures, Jesus was praying alone. And then the disciples came to ask him that question. Luke 5, 15 and 16 says, But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him, and he healed all of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Now, every time we see that Jesus draws away by himself alone to pray, These become longer prayers. They become more intimate. They become more personal when we see this. So Jesus very often prayed when he was alone, that he could have a one-on-one conversation. There's something different. When you're in a small group and you're talking, that's kind of different. But then when you begin to talk one-on-one with somebody, it's different, isn't it? We begin to have that personal connection with them. We get to talk about things that that are deeper, more detailed, And that's what personal prayer alone with God is. We also see it says in verse 1, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. You know, the disciples knew where Jesus was praying. They were able to find him. He had a certain place. Even though Jesus had no home, he had no place to lay his head. He had certain places that he would go and pray. We also notice that the disciples knew prayer was important because it says, 
And when he had finished, they waited on Jesus. They knew prayer was important. Prayer was very important to a Jew. But Jesus takes prayer and he turns it upside down. He goes from Jewish prayer that was the rote memorization, that was more of the, the, the very formal relationship with God, and he turns it personal through these verses. These verses literally turn prayer upside down and becomes a personal thing, and Jesus tells us about that, tells us. And what I find interesting also here is Jesus waits for the disciples to ask him about prayer. This is a good ways into his ministry, and he waits for them to ask. Now, if it was me, I hate saying this, but if I was Jesus, if I was Jesus, immediately when I would have gathered the 12, when I would have assembled the 12 disciples, I would have said, guys, guys, huddle up. Prayer is so important, and here's how you do it. You do it one, two, three, this way. I would have told them a system of prayer. I would have immediately told them how to pray because it is so important. But even though prayer is so important, what's interesting is Jesus never, ever teaches them about prayer until this point. He waits for them to ask. You know what Jesus did? He modeled, and then he taught prayer. Once he was asked, he told the system, per se, to pray. And something else you notice, it doesn't say When the disciples ask, it doesn't say, teach us how to pray. It says, Jesus, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples to pray. It doesn't say how to pray. So Jesus was basically saying, or the disciples were really asking, Jesus, we want to be like you. Don't teach us necessarily a system or a a detailed way of doing this, which he kind of ends up doing, but teach us to be like you. They knew how important prayer was to him. They knew that he would remotely go away and be alone with God in prayer. So they knew how important it was, and they said, teach us to pray. Not a system, not a formula, but we want to be like you. And here's what we find as Jesus goes into the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, as we call it. Jesus turns prayer into a personal conversation. Like I said, the disciples were were very familiar Most people that Jesus spoke to were very familiar with prayer and what it was, but it was a very vertical relationship where it was very formalized. You would memorize prayers. You wouldn't have this personal relationship with God up until this point, and Jesus turns this into a complete personal relationship through this prayer. You know, when it talks about that he was in a certain place, let me ask you, do you have a certain place? Do your kids know where that certain place, your grandkids know where that certain place is, that certain time of day that you're going to be praying? Is it in a prayer room? Is it in the living room, in your bedroom, wherever it is? It can even be driving, whatever it may be. Don't close your eyes when you do that. But it needs to be a certain place. They knew where to find Jesus. I know in the mornings when I see my wife at our kitchen table, at our our breakfast table, I know what she is doing there. She is not just eating breakfast. She is in God's word. She is praying. I know that that is her certain place that she is praying, and she's such a prayer warrior. But I know that, and I know that if she's in our bedroom in a certain chair, things are really serious, and she is praying um, and asking God to meet needs and praying for other people. So I know there are two places that Uh, my wife prays, our kids know that as well, where she prays, and to kind of stay away during those times because she is alone with God. But do you have those certain places? Do you go alone with God? So prayer is public. We do it in small groups, but also that intimate time that it's a little more lengthy, and it's that personal relationship, and Jesus turned it upside down and turned it into a personal relationship. We should be alone with God. 
is some of the places that we pray. Now, let me ask you, how should we pray? And this is a tough one. It sounds like a simple question, but it really is a difficult question. How should we pray? Like I said, the disciples knew what prayer was, but it was more of a memorized prayer. But it became a personal prayer. The first way that we should pray is we should be respectful, but not formal. We don't need to be formal with God. Of course we need to be respectful. Matthew 6, 7 says, And when you pray, do not heap on empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Now, if you call your spouse on the phone, do you call and say when you, she answers the phone or he answers the phone, Oh, great one. Oh, one who bore my children. I am so thankful for you. No. At the same time, you don't say, hey, baby, what's up? Maybe you do. I, I don't know. Hey, mama, what's up? I don't know. Maybe you do. That's fine. If that's respectful. So there's a balance here. There's a balance between respect and not being formal. God wants us to come with respect. He wants us to come knowing who he is. But we don't have to be formal with him. And it doesn't have to be lengthy, as you see. God just simply wants to talk with us. He wants to hear us. He wants to hear our hearts is what's he want, what he wants to do. God wants to hear you. And this is why we're allowed to pray. Romans 8, 15, this is an amazing verse. It says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, which we can cry out, Abba, Father. Is that amazing that we can do that to God? We don't have to come into his presence fearing who he is, even though we could do that. But we get to call him Abba, Father. And I'll talk a little more about that here in a moment. Uh, we also want to pray in faith. And I wish, this is an entire sermon right here, but we need to be praying in faith. Matthew 21, 22 says, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. We can come before God, the creator of the universe, and boldly pray. And pray in faith, believing that he is going to answer. Knowing he is going to answer. It may not always be our answer, but we know God is going to answer us when we pray in faith. Let me ask you, do you pray big enough? Do you? Do you pray big enough? I often wonder if God looks at me, he looks at us and says, pray bigger. Pray for even more. Pray bigger. Pray for those friends. Pray for your needs. Pray bigger. I think God is saying that to us. Do you pray in faith, believing, knowing God is going to answer those prayers? Knowing it may be years before he does that but still in faith that he is going to pray, that he is going to deliver and answer our prayers. We also need to be praying in God's will. John 16, 23 and 24 talks about in my name. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of your father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So what it says here is to ask for things in my name, in Jesus' name. That's why we close prayers many times, in Jesus' name. Ask it in his name, believing, knowing. But we don't want to go outside of God's will. Here's something very important to understand. Don't ask God to bless things clearly outside of his will and contrary to his word. Don't do that. If we know it is outside of scripture, if we know it is outside of his will, and we're asking for that, God's not going to grant that. 
He's not going to grant it and bless it by all means. Don't ask for things that we know are outside of God's will. And sometimes they're the gray areas that we don't exactly know. And we want to pray and still bring those to God, asking him, is this within your will? But God is very clear. Ask the Father in my name, in Jesus' name. And he will deliver that. He will answer those prayers. But don't ask for things outside of his will. How often do you bring a checklist to God? A couple of different checklists. A checklist saying, you know what, Lord? Guess what I did for you today? You end the day and let me tell you everything I did for you today. That's not what prayer is about. How often do we bring a checklist of just things that we need? God, I need this. God, I want this. God, I may need this. Just a checklist. That's not what prayer is. He wants you to bring needs to him, but that's not what prayer is. It's not just a checklist of things that we want or things that we need. But we do need to bring, and we'll see in a second, things that we need to God. Well, how did Jesus teach us to pray? Let's break down uh, verses 2 through 4, the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, um, as we see. Um, the first thing that Jesus said when they asked him, how do I pray? He says, Father. The King James, going back to it, says, our Father. Is that amazing that we are allowed to call him Father? The creator of the universe, we get to call him Father. The one that could flick us off the earth with a moment's notice, we get to call Father. We don't have to call him, oh, great one, oh, king. And maybe those, those things are fine to call him. But he says to call him Father. I remember a number of years ago, and this is before my father passed away, uh, our family was visiting um, my parents. And we were out front I think my dad had gone out to get the newspaper and I was with him and we were out in the front drive out in the street talking to a neighbor that lived a good ways down and just conversing and talking and uh, talked to him for about 10 minutes. Um, I had no idea who it was, by the way. Had no idea, but very nice guy, um, interactive. As we walked back in, my dad said, do you know who that was? I don't know. One of your neighbors, I guess. He said, and he named a name, and it was a name that everyone in Texas knew. He owned a huge bread company, was on commercials, everything. I thought he was a homeless person, quite honestly, the way he was dressed. But this was a famous man, a very wealthy man, a man that was extremely successful, that pretty much the entire state of Texas knew, and I had no idea who it was. That is how, what would I have acted like if I knew who it was? Maybe I would have acted differently. I wouldn't have engaged in conversation as much. But that's how God wants us to approach him. Approach him as somebody that we know is important, somebody that we know is holy, and we need to, we need to approach with respect. But we can approach him saying, Father. What an amazing thing. We get to call God Father. If you're a parent, what's the one thing you want for your kids? Their best, don't you? Why does God not want the same thing for you? He wants the best, and we get to call him Father. The next thing we see, it says, Father, hallowed be your name. The first thing we do when we pray is we praise him. We offer praise to him. We understand that there is that respect. We understand that who God is, and we praise him, and we say, Lord, I know who you are. I know that I need to hallow your name as it says here. And I understand who you are and I come to you in respect, but I'm so glad that I can call you father. So we come first to him in praise. The next thing he says is, 
your kingdom come. We come with an attitude of thankfulness. Even though we may want to say, Lord, my kingdom come, my will be done, we say to him, your will be done, Lord. Your kingdom come. So we come in an attitude of thankfulness. We praise him. We offer thanksgiving to him. We thank him for what he's done today. We thank him for what he's done through the week. We thank, you for what, thank him for what he's going to do, believing in faith what he's going to do. So we come with thanksgiving. Verse 3 says, give us each day our daily bread. God wants to meet our personal needs. Now, I talked a little bit ago about bringing a checklist And we don't need to do that, but we do need to bring him our personal needs. And you notice it doesn't say bring us our weekly needs, our monthly needs, our monthly bread. It says give us this each day our daily bread. God wants to meet you day by day. Yes, he knows the future. He knows what's going on. But he wants to meet you every single day. When we wake up in the morning, God is interested in what's going to happen today. He wants to meet your needs. He knows when you're going to encounter, if you're anticipating a difficult relationship that day or a difficult conversation, he knows that. He wants to be there with you. Give us your daily bread. These are physical needs. These are spiritual needs that God wants to answer. Give us each day our daily bread. God wants to meet. Our Father wants to meet your personal needs. That's amazing if you think about it. He wants to meet our personal needs. Then he goes on and says, and forgive us our sins. The next thing we pray is asking God to forgive us. Forgive us of the sins. Forgive us of those wrongs that we have done in the last day, however it is, when we realize that we were not kind to someone or that we, that we had sinned. We ask God to forgive our sins, to make it real to us to show us, bring to memory things that maybe offended others or things that offended God. Ask him to do that, to bring these things up and to forgive us our sins. Now, I want to tell you a story about when I was a teenager, but I want to preface this. I don't know if you know this, but the frontal lobe of the brain, that is basically where the common sense chemical is released. It's the common sense chemical. Now, interestingly for girls, the frontal lobe fully develops and is fully functioning somewhere in early to mid-teens, somewhere 13, 14, all the way up until 18 years old. For girls, so that basically means their frontal lobe is fully functioning with common sense. Then there's boys. (laughs) Their frontal lobe does not fully develop, fully release the proper chemical for common sense, full common sense until 17, and it can go all the way up to age 26 for boys. So girls, women, you are four or five years ahead of us, at least. So I just want to preface that, that maybe the common sense was not working fully in what I did when I was a 16-year-old. When I was 16, I had a car, and one of the things that I bought, I don't remember if you remember this, and I don't even know if they sell them anymore, it's called a Q-beam. And a Q-beam was a giant light. They had little ones, but it was a light you plugged in your cigarette lighter, and it was super bright. It was a mega, mega flashlight. And I didn't have just the Q-beam. I had the million candle power Q-beam. It's probably illegal now. It's so bright. I could light things up for my car. I mean, like daylight. It was amazing. The million ca- uh, candle power Q-beam. I was proud of it. Lit things up. I lived in the city of Houston, Texas. We lived there. And one evening, I had my Q-beam out, and again, common sense, not present. A helicopter flew over. (laughs) Can I light the helicopter up with my million candle power Q-beam? 
Absolutely I could. So I take my Q-beam in the driveway of my house and I light that helicopter up. I lit up the Houston Police Department's <laughs> helicopter. So they took their little Q-beam, if you want to say that, and lit my house up like daylight. So it is daylight in my house. They are circling my house. And I am not exaggerating. Within 60 seconds, there were seven police cars in front of my house. I thought, oh boy, what have I done? Again, common sense, not there yet. And a boy at that age. So I get out, or they get out, and they come, and I literally get yelled at. I had thrown off a police chase, um, apparently. My dad came out. Um, I thought I was dead. And I remember they didn't do anything to me. They just warned me and I guess knew that common sense did not exist in me. Um, but I had done something very foolish. And I can remember my dad walking back in with him. He was so furious. I mean, he knew what could have happened to me. He did. And he, I just remember him saying, I think what they did to you is punishment enough. So he um, kind of let me go on that and I learned my own lesson. But when we pray this prayer... When we pray and forgive us our sins, here's what we're asking. We are asking God to take his light, to take his shining light and shine it on our lives, to reveal our sins, to make them bright to us like daylight is what this is saying. Lord, take my life and shine a light on it. Reveal any sins, reveal anything that is keeping me from having fellowship with you, keeping me from having fellowship with my friends, with my family, whatever it is. Shine that light on me just like daylight so I can see what sins are in my life. So shine that Q-beam, Lord, on me and reveal those sins. He asks us and he says, and Jesus says, and forgive us our sins. And he goes on to say, for ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Here's what Jesus does. He reverses grace here. He shows us, you know, ask God to forgive our sins. Ask him to shine that light. Ask God to show grace upon you for your sins. And then he turns it right back around. The word indebtedness or debt here simply means sin. It does. Things that people have done wrong against you, sins against you. So he says, not only do I want you to forgive, I want to forgive your sins, I want you to turn around, take my grace that I have given you, let it flow through you, reverse through you from God through me and give it to those who have sinned against me. And we're going to get sinned against, aren't we? We're going to get offended. We're going to have people do things to us that victimize us, that are wrong, that we didn't deserve, but we still need to forgive what they have done. So Lord, reverse the grace. Let me be the conduit of grace because you have been so gracious to me. Let me be that conduit of grace to those that are around me. And let me forgive the debts, the indebtedness that we show to others. Now let me ask you one other question. Why pray? It's a legitimate question. Why pray? It's a, really, it's a good question that we need to ask. God knows what's going to happen. Let's just let him do that. Prayer is something special because it's communication with God. The first thing it is, it is communication, and it's communication is key to any relationship. If you do not communicate with a friend, if you do not communicate with a spouse, that relationship shrivels up. Communication is vital in marriage. It's vital in friendships. It's vital at work. If you've been at work when communication is poor and things just unravel, it happens, yes. When communication is not present, things begin to unravel. 
Things begin to dry up. So communication is a key to any relationship and it's key to our relationship with God. That's what he wants to do with us. He wants to communicate. He wants to talk. A two-way conversation with us. It also allows God to speak to you and show up in your life. When we begin to pray, God shows up in our lives. It may take time. It may be in different ways than we ever expected, but it allows God to show up in special ways. If you ever had God just show up in your life, it wasn't deserved, it wasn't expected, or maybe it was something you were praying for, and he just shows up and surprises you. That's what he wants to do when he communicates with you. Bring your needs to him. Show him what you want. Show him what you need. And he wants to show up in your life. It's also a confession of sin, like I just I said a moment ago. It allows us to, even though we have permanently been saved, we have permanently been forgiven of our sins when we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life, when we, when we accept him as our Savior. But it also is a time when we confess sin that removes that wall, that removes that blockade. And it may be a blockade between ourselves and God. It may be a blockade between ourselves and our friends or those that we've encountered. So confession of sin breaks down that wall. Even though we have permanently been forgiven through Jesus and through Jesus alone, the daily confession of sin, asking God to forgive us, removes that blockade in our lives. You know, the other thing, and this is big, it allows God for the miraculous to happen and to build our faith. Are you praying big? Are you asking God to literally do the miraculous in your life? Do you need miraculous healing? Do you need miraculous healing of a relationship? Do you just need God to show up and encourage you? I mean, I know people walked in here today discouraged. Many people walked in here encouraged. But you need God to show up in your life and do the miraculous. When we pray, when we ask, God will do the miraculous. He always does. So we allow God through prayer to do the miraculous and for it to build our faith faith for that. The final thing that we need to pray and why we should pray is for protection. We are asking God to protect us because here's what I want you to understand. Nothing happens in the physical that does not happen in the spiritual. So everything we're experiencing here in the physical, it's also being, also happening in the spiritual as well. So God wants us, God wants us to pray because he knows what's going on in the spiritual. He knows what's going on in the physical, but we may not know what's going on in the spiritual. He wants us to pray so he can connect those two. Nothing happens in the physical that does not happen in the spiritual. He wants us to experience that and connect those two together. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the physical but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So when we pray, we're not just praying for the physical to happen, for those that we experience, the things, things we can touch and feel. We are praying for God to connect the spiritual. Because what is going on, what God is fighting for us, is in the spiritual. He knows what is going on. He knows the temptations. He knows the difficulties. He knows the pains. And he knows they have spiritual consequences and spiritual things are going on. So when we pray, 
ask God to connect the spiritual and the physical because that's what he knows. That's the greatest thing that we can know about prayer is that there is something going on in the spiritual that we will never know. God is fighting for us. There is a war going on and God wants to protect us through that. And we need to be communicating in that so we can understand the spiritual as well. So those are reasons why we pray. You know, we want to give you an opportunity to practice prayer, to be praying for other people. As you enter today, hopefully you're handed one of these three different cards. Uh, One of them says, pray for this person. The other one says, pray for this to happen, and you fill it in. And then it also says, my prayer need is. Maybe you didn't get the one you exactly desired. You can pick them up on a table right outside as you go. And what we want you to do is simply fill this in. What's your prayer need? You don't have to write your name here. You can just keep it brief. Who is somebody you're praying for this Easter season? Somebody you're saying, Lord, I want them to come to faith in Jesus. Or Lord, I want to see healing in their life. Write their name down, just their first name. Write it down. And again, you don't need to put your name And then also the big one, pray for this to happen. Lord, I'm praying big. I'm praying for a miracle to happen. I'm praying for you to connect the spiritual and the physical here because I don't get what's going on. I don't get it, but you do. So I am praying for this to happen. What we'd love for you to do is take a pen and just write a simple name here, a request here. And as you leave today, you can just drop it in the offering buckets. And what we will do is we will take these and we're going to pin them up on our prayer wall. We're going to put every single one of those, and if you want to walk out there and clip it onto the prayer wall, you're welcome to do that. Or if you want to find one of these others to fill out, we have markers and the other cards out there as well that you want to fill out. But we want to take that prayer wall that's in our lobby and just cover it in prayer requests. Cover it in names of people that we're praying for this Easter. Maybe somebody we're praying to invite. I believe it was Saturday before last um, on the church text line. I got a text. The church got a text saying, pray for me because in just an hour or two, I'm going to be meeting with someone, spending the day with them, and I want to share Jesus with them so badly. Will you pray for me? And we certainly did do that. So maybe that's kind of the person that you're praying for. But fill these out. You can drop them in the offering buckets on your way out, or you can pin them up, or you can go to the lobby and fill them out. Also, if you're watching online, we know that you don't physically have one of these cards. You can go to gocentralchurch.org slash prayer card. gocentralchurch.org slash prayer card. And there's a form you can fill out, and what we will do is we will take one of these cards and fill in your request on it, and we will attach it to the prayer wall if you're watching online or you want to do this later if you're here in the room. And what we're going to do with these on Palm Sunday at our prayer and worship service, we're going to pull these off the wall. We're going to take them off before Easter, and we're going to pray for every single one of these. Our staff is going to pray for them throughout the week, but we're even going to give you the opportunity to pray for these next Sunday evening. So fill these out. You can drop them in as you leave today. Let me just close with this. Oswald Chambers has a wonderful quote, and he says, unless you learn to open the door of your life completely and let God in from your very first waking moment each new day, you will be working on the wrong level throughout the day. But if you will swing the door of your life fully open and pray for your father who is in the secret place, every public thing in your life will be marked with a lasting imprint of the presence of God. Here's what I want you to learn from that. When we shut the door on the rest of our lives and enter into a place of prayer, we kick open the door to God's presence and the life that he wants. You want to do that? Do you want to kick that door open to what God wants in your life? 
It's a great description of prayer. We are able to enter his presence, kick that door open, and experience what God wants us to experience. Otherwise, we are walking in desolation during those times. A great commentator said, the barren lives of Christians and the deadness of the church today are the result of prayerlessness. You know what? That was written over 40 years ago. Is that what we're seeing today? The deadness of believers? The prayerlessness of the church? Are we seeing that today? I hope not, and I hope it's not central. We want to be a praying church. We want to be praying for you. We want you praying because something special happens when we pray. Use these cards. Use in a moment if you want to come to this altar and pray, but I encourage you to be a person of prayer. It's a simple process. We make it so difficult, but it's a simple process because God does special things when we pray, and we kick open the doors of heaven when we pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we come boldly today. We thank you for what you are doing. We thank you that we are allowed to come into your presence. Lord, I don't deserve to be in your presence. None of us deserve to be in your presence because of Jesus, because of the cross, because of the grave that he came bursting out of. We are able to come to your presence. Lord, thank you that I can call you Father. Thank you that I am able to do that. And Lord, I just pray today for the person that is not able to call you Father, that is not able, that is not a Christ follower, Lord. And I just pray today, Lord, that that opportunity comes, that they come to know you as their Savior and they're able to call you Father because we want to be your sons and daughters. Lord, we just pray in this time that you will move in a great way and we pray things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, we're going to be singing in a moment. The, the altar is always open. We'll stay spaced apart during that time. But we would love for you to pray. We would love for you to begin thinking about who are you praying for. Also, if you're not able to call God your father because you're not one of his sons and daughters, we would love to talk to you about that. It is so simple to become a believer and walk in him and open up the prayers of your life when you are able to call him father. We would love to talk to you about that as well. There'll be a phone number if you're watching online or if you're here in the room. You can text this number. Uh, 407-338-4024 and we will get back with you um, almost immediately and be able to talk to you about a relationship with Christ. You can even send prayer requests to this. You can send in your prayer card to this even if you want to. We would love to do that. Thank you again for listening to the Central Church Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at centralsanford.net.